0: all the way back in in 2012, we had this really really silly idea that on the day of our teen ministry Christmas party, we would wear sweaters and sweatshirts of a variety of of sorts. And over those years, it's the fifth fifth Christmas we've done that, over the years some of them have gotten weirder, some of them have gotten more creative, some of them have, have had lights on them, some of them I think have played music, some of them have involved hats and socks and things that go with them, but it's fun, so I, needed, I felt like I needed to explain why I'm wearing a Christmas sweater. Additionally, I think this is at least the third out of the five that I happen to be preaching on that Sunday morning, and so I got a lot of compliments in the first service on my sweater, though, so they liked it. I, I think that the Christmas sweater thing is one of those things that it's kind of circled back around, and it's actually quite fashionable now, and I happen to like this one a lot. My wife bought it on clearance after Christmas last year. And it has been in my closet for a year with the tags on it, ready for this moment. So um, that's the best time to buy stuff like that, right? Christmas, it was like 90% off and you're walking out with you know, a 50-foot tree for 3 bucks, and it's all, it's all good. So I just felt like I needed to explain that. It's all good. And you'll see some others uh, that are wearing them, some of our volunteers and some of our teenagers, and I'm super impressed every year by, by what they come up with. So what would the Christmas season be without Christmas songs? it would be quiet. <laughs> it would. Um, there are a lot of Christmas songs. A lot of people over the years have made a lot of money by writing songs or reworking songs that only get played about a month out of the year, which is, which is interesting. And I know we're at church, so your thoughts probably go to things like Silent Night, Enjoy the World, or maybe Hark the Herald Angels Sing, or you know something we sang this morning. Or maybe you've been to the mall lately and you're a little more likely to be humming, you're know, rocking around the Christmas tree, or or Jingle Bell Rock, or something like that. Um, could be. But, but you know what I think? I think that, when it comes to the music, I, I think that Valentine's Day has nothing on Christmas when it comes to love songs. Have you ever thought about that? How many Christmas songs are basically cold love songs? Like love songs with a little bit of snow in, in, the, in the subject? We're snuggled up together like two birds of a feather would be. Right? When we finally kiss goodnight, how I'll hate going out in the storm, but if you really hold me tight all the way home, I'll be warm. Or you can go, a little, you can go to the other side of a love song, of the, the like, sad love song. Decorations of red on a green Christmas tree won't be the same, dear, if you're not here with me. Or you've got mistletoe hung where you can see every couple tries to stop. Or in the meadow, we can build a snowman and pretend that he is Parson Brown. He'll say, are you married? We'll say, no man, but you can do the job when you're in town. Or the most obvious of Christmas love songs, All I Want for Christmas is You. Some of you were like, Is he going to sing my two front teeth? What's going on? <laughs> Valentine's Day may get all the glory for being the holiday of love, but Christmas is right there with it. In fact, according to a 2014 study by Brides Magazine, which I'm obviously not a subscriber to, researchers found that 19% of all engagements occur in December, which makes it the, the most popular month to get engaged. And specifically, they found that Christmas Eve, December 24th, is the most popular day for popping the question. In fact, according to data released by Facebook, and I feel like Facebook would have a good grasp on this, um, they said that Christmas Eve is the most popular day to get engaged, followed by Christmas Day, followed by New Year's Day, and then Valentine's Day, it's its fourth. I don't think I would have guessed that. So if there happens to be any gentlemen in the congregation today who have been considering popping the question, No pressure. No pressure. And there really isn't anything wrong with celebrating love during this season. It, it, that's not a bad thing. Love is going to be in the air, clearly. You know, turn on the radio, hear those songs. and it, it does just seem to be a part of Christmas. And, and for some, that's something to celebrate. While for others, that might actually be something that brings about feelings of, of loneliness or isolation. And it, it happens that way sometimes. But either way, we need to understand this up front. Too much focus on romance or lack of romance or however you want to view it. Too much focus on that can cloud our view on the true love story of Christmas. You see, I love my wife, and I know she loves me too. I I love my children, and I I know they love me too. And those are the two deepest kinds of love that I will know on this earth. And yet I also know that those loves pale in comparison to the love that God has for each and every one of us. Additionally, the the reasons that I know my wife loves me and that I know my kids love me, it's not just because they say they do. They show they do. And that's true of God's love for each and every one of us. It's not just a statement. It's not just written in Scripture. It's it's regularly demonstrated through the way He cares for us. And it was ultimately demonstrated through Jesus Christ. That love is, is true and faithful and unending, and sacrificial, and it's so many more things. That love changed everything and continues to change everything. It's just that kind of love. And love has been at the core of God's story from the beginning. From the moment of creation, love was, was central. Whether we acknowledge it or not, love is at the central part of our, our relationship with God. God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. Literally, if you, if you wanted to paraphrase Some of that early writing in Genesis, you can say, listen, God hung out with Adam and Eve. They spent time together. They went for walks. They hung out. He loved them deeply both before and after sin entered the world. God showed His amazing love when He he spared Noah and his family from the flood and, and gave them a new start. Or how about this one? God gave the commandments and the law to His people as an expression of love. And we struggle with that one sometimes. But then again, if we think about the parent-child kind of relationship, you know, parents put rules in place to protect their children out of love. And God gave the law to the people as a way for them to atone for their sin and stay connected to Him. That sounds loving to me. God's love turned the world upside down and inside out when He sent His Son to live among us, to be born in a stable, to die on a cross, and to rise from the grave. It took that amazing love to overturn the power of sin and death. Luke chapter 2, this is part of uh, Luke's account of the Christmas story, and this is in the insert in your bulletin as well if you want to follow along. The beginning of verse 8, it says, "...that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy." To all people the savior yes the messiah the lord has been born today in bethlehem the city of david and you will recognize him by this sign you will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger and and you've heard this reading before you've heard luke's account of the story before most likely it's it's probably the one we use most at christmas time but I want to pair it with a passage from Romans, and that might sound weird, but think about what we just heard. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. The Savior has been born. And then we read this in Romans chapter 5, beginning of verse 6. It says, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed His great love for us, by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners, you know sometimes we, we focus on the Christmas story, like oh it's this cute story and we tell it every year and oh I know the story by heart and you, know, you watch a Charlie Brown Christmas or whatever you watch and and, and even even at the church we, we try to come up with new ways to tell the same story every year we say oh it's the same Christmas story how are we going to tell it differently and I think what happens is sometimes you know we we don't carry that story through we say oh it's a cute story there's shepherds there's wise men there's that kind of stuff that's fun. This was that just the right time when Christ came for us, and we so often talk about love as this feeling. We say, "Ah, feeling—it's a feeling." feeling. God's story is love in action. How the God of the universe loves you and me so much that He left everything in order to be with you and me, to make the ultimate sacrifice so that we could be with Him. And that love is the second gift that we're going to open in this series. And yes, this is still just an excuse for me to get to open a present every week. And I didn't wrap it; I'm not that good, just so you know. This one even lights up, though. Oop, it did. There we go. I like the light. We'll unwrap a gift every week. Every week it'll look a little different. And I remember as a kid, my parents were um, were really good at saving the best present for last. Like great at it. And I don't know if that was I was the youngest, and they learned that the hard way, or something. But whatever it was that I wanted the most that they decided to get me, and, and I was very blessed as a kid. My parents probably went overboard for Christmas, and they would always make sure it was at the back or that it was cleverly disguised as something else because so I, I was always looking for that shaped present that looked like what I wanted, you know. Or they would even hide it in another room and wrap like a piece of paper that said, go in the other room and find your last gift. And they'd save it. And I always, it took me a long time to figure out the reason they saved it is because if I had opened it first, I wouldn't have opened anything else. And, you know, the socks and the underwear and the clothes and the things I didn't care about would have been left under the tree wrapped. And so they'd save that one for last, and they were, they were very good about that. But here's what's cool about our series. Um, I honestly believe that each of these gifts that we're going to unwrap is, is equally amazing uh, for their own reasons. Last week we talked about hope. And you might say, well, obviously hope is the best gift. And I say, hope, that just, obviously. If I, had, if I literally had nothing left but I still had hope, I would be fine because I'd have hope. You'd say, how can anything be better than that? And then we talk about love, and we're going to get into that more today. And when you think about the the way that God expressed that love by sacrificing Jesus for us, like maybe love's the best one. I don't know if we can do any better than that. And, And I honestly believe that when we talk about joy next week and we talk about peace on Christmas Day, that we'll be able to say similar things about those gifts, because they're all amazing. God has given us so much, and He continues to do so. Now, if you've been around kids as they unwrap Christmas presents, the excitement of of ripping off the paper is usually replaced by the excitement of opening the box and actually playing with whatever gift they've received. And one of the worst things that can happen to a kid on Christmas morning, or at least based on their reaction, one of the worst things that can happen to a kid on Christmas morning is to open something that needs batteries that doesn't yet have said batteries. See, the most prepared parents either include batteries with the gift, or take it a step further, and they pre-open the gift, put the batteries in, and then wrap it up so that immediately it can be played with. Um, If you you want to be the winner on on Christmas morning, that's what you do for for kids. Because the goal with a good present is to be able to enjoy it immediately, to unwrap it, and to be able to just dive in. If you have to wait for somebody to assemble it, you know, Kate was our first child, and I I remember getting some sort of awesome gift, and she was excited to play with it, and it, it took... I think three of us, at least an hour, to put it together, and I felt, I, you know, I honestly felt bad. She still got to play with the gift, but you know, so that that being able to get to it right away. And so when we talk about the word love, when we talk about this gift, h- how do we unwrap it and dive right into it? Well, it starts by accepting the simple fact that God loves us, and, and that sounds simple. John three sixteen, uh, very well known passage says this: For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. And, and there's, uh, It's a virtual certainty that at some point in your life you've heard that passage of Scripture in one form or another, but there's a potential danger in that. It's possible that we've become so familiar with that verse that we say, that's a great verse. Or I like to hear that verse, and, and we see it as a, something we just kind of say, oh, that's nice, and we don't really think about what it truly means. We become so familiar with that, that the idea that God loves us, that we end up looking right past the important truth of this passage and and right past the reality of the fact that God does in fact love us that much. That he did something that's beyond understanding. Like what he did just doesn't make sense, and yet he did that for us. And the fact that he did it for us doesn't make sense, and yet he did it for us. It's that love that changed everything. It's that love that still changes everything. It was the ultimate gift. It was the greatest sacrifice, the absolute best example of holy, complete, and infinite love. And that verse is central to what we believe about God. And so it makes sense in that unwrapping the gift of love, we go there first. You know, God loved, so he did this. He sent Jesus. And that same love that that inspired him to send Jesus, that caused him to send Jesus, is the same love that led Jesus to a cross. And that same love overcame death in a grave. And that love is why God did what he did for us and why we have hope that we talked about last week of eternity with him. But the truth is, some have not accepted that God loves them. Some will not or, or, or have not yet accepted that God loves them. Now, I said this was, this was basic. I said this was the first step, but basic does not mean Easy. For some, accepting God's love for them, accepting the fact that Jesus died for them, is extremely difficult. Maybe it's because they feel unworthy. Maybe it's because they're ashamed of something in their past. Maybe it's because they simply have trouble believing that anyone, even God, could love them at all, let alone that much. Maybe they've been burned by human love so many times that even the fact that that we're talking about love this morning would shut them down, would make them just want to shut down and stop listening. If any of that is you today, hear this. No matter what struggles or challenges or hurts you hold, no matter what's in your past or in your present, God's love can handle them and God's love can heal them. Wherever you are on your journey with God is okay. God knows where you are. God understands where you are. And God's response to all of it is love. It's His open arms. It's comfort. It's strength. It's whatever you need. And in that, it's His perfect love. Here's what I really believe about this. God loves us. That, That fact simply isn't going to change. And so we need to get out of our own way. We need to get out of our own heads and accept that He loves us. So often we... We almost fight it or we convince ourselves that it's not true. And, and God's never, love's never changed. He's never moved. It's, it's us. We're, we're the issue. We overthink things. We simply need to realize we have, a, we have a God that loves us. And only at that point, only when we accept that as truth, can we then experience God's love, which is the second thing we need to do. Over the next couple of weeks, it will be very easy for you and for me to become distracted by all that needs to be done. Christmas is two weeks from today. Some of you didn't realize that already. Whoa, sorry. Sorry, you're not going to pay attention for the rest of the time. If I gave you a piece of paper, and I thought about doing this, but this would, just, this would be a bad idea. If I gave you a piece of paper this morning and I asked you right now to write down everything that you need to do before December 25th, some of you would ask for another piece of paper Others, of you might get up and leave right now because you'd realize if I don't start right now, I'm not going to be ready. And I say that jokingly, but it's probably not that far from the truth for some of us. We allow ourselves to become overwhelmed a lot of the time. On top of that, I don't know how many of you read the newspaper or keep up with news online or television or radio, but it's pretty easy to read or hear the news and wonder if love can really overcome the darkness and the hatred in this world, and that can be overwhelming as well. And if you've ever gotten overwhelmed after you're already overwhelmed, that's pretty heavy. I have small children, and in a lot of ways I fear the world I'm raising them in. I do. And that thought is overwhelming. And what happens is we allow what's going on in the world around us and what's going on in our own lives to overwhelm us and overtake us, and in those moments it's it's extremely hard to feel loved by God. And listen, what's going on in the world and what's going on in your life matters. It it does. God doesn't ask you to ignore those things in order to experience His love. You don't have to rid yourself of worry or hurry, because honestly you can't do that on your own anyway. But what God does is He invites us to bring those things to Him and to let Him take the burden, to surrender the deepest hurts and concerns of your life to Him and allow Him to then fill you back up with His love. It's kind of like this. I'll show you. I have this balloon, and it's, it's full, right? Like, it's absolutely full, and yet it's not very much fun. <laughs> it just kind of hangs here, and if I drop it, it'll hit the ground. Now, I'm telling you, it's not heavy, but at the same time, it's heavy, right? Because it falls straight onto the ground. And we do that. We fill ourselves up with all these things, with, with busyness and with worry, and, and it, it fills us up. But it kind of weighs us down too. And, and maybe the issue is we're not really filled with the right things. And what God says is that if you let me take that stuff from you and let me fill you up with what's important, well, that, that's a little more fun. That's a little different. That's a, that's a little more functional. And suddenly you float a little bit and, and, and that weight is not so heavy because God's taken it off of you. It makes sense. I'm going to stick this back here so I don't pop it. I actually once popped a balloon during a sermon. Some of you may remember that. But I warned you before I did it. Romans chapter 8, beginning verse 38, says this, And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. And yet, when we get overwhelmed, we don't function like we believe what those verses say. And we're weighted down and we're on the ground and and, and we believe that we are separated from God's love. And we live our lives a lot of the times in such a way That that it's like the stress and the worry and the struggle really can separate us from Him and that's simply not the truth. And and again, like I said earlier, that's an issue in us because God doesn't change. His love doesn't ebb and flow. It doesn't move. The powerful love, the most powerful love. And it can't be constrained or contained by any power in the universe. It's not susceptible to evil or death. It's not... Affected by any person or power, it's that amazing. And it's a love we should both want to experience and a love that we can experience. This is not the kind of gift that you open up and put on a shelf. When I was a kid, I was really into NASCAR. That's not something a lot of people necessarily know about me anymore. Um, We used to go to races every year. uh, And so I started collecting die-cast collectible race cars. Some of you guys may have some of those. And at a certain age, younger than you might expect, I stopped opening the packages. I would get these die race cars as a gift and I would leave them in the packaging and I began to display them in my room. And I don't, I don't know as a kid if I just thought, if I really thought they'd be worth money someday. I'm sure like one of my parents in a well-meaning way was like, oh those might be worth something someday and it'd be nice if I could like pay for my kid's college with it, but they're really not worth anything today. And I started to display them and I stopped opening them and I only played with the ones I had already opened and I had a a large bookshelf in my room that was just, they were everywhere. They were covering it. Um, I actually actually still have some of those at home. But they aren't worth much today, and I probably should have just played with them. And you know the reason I know that the most? I, I do have a tub of them at home, and my son Jackson came across them, and he could not understand why I never opened those cars. What would possess you to not, it's a car, you're supposed to roll it across the floor. You're supposed to play, why is that so, and he wanted to open them. That tells me I probably should have just played with him. He understands what they're for. So often we, we become too adult too soon and stop allowing ourselves to have fun and embrace joyful moments, and I think we do that with God's love. We acknowledge it, but we don't always allow ourselves to experience it. And in that way, I think we kind of take God's love and we put it on a shelf and we say, that's nice, I have it and I can show it to people and I can, you know, people know it's a part of my life, but, but it's, it's safe up there on the shelf. And yet really, it's the kind of gift you should carry everywhere with you until it's tattered and worn and you still refuse to go anywhere without it because it means that much to you. My daughter Lucy has a monkey. Some of you have met Miles. Some of you know Miles well. Um, Miles is here this morning, I'm sure of it. <laughs> he comes to church every Sunday. He has better attendance than most of us. <laughs> Miles was a gift to Lucy when she was very small from my sister. Um, and he was already named Miles, Miles the Monkey. It kind of just makes sense. Uh, and he was he's orange and white. And when I describe him as orange and white, I mean he was originally orange and white. Um, he doesn't really look so white anymore. And that's because... Literally, Lucy will not go anywhere without him. Some of the biggest meltdowns she's ever had were because we didn't take miles. You know, he got left at home. He has been to restaurants and on road trips and in every public restroom she's ever been in. He's been to the pediatrician's office many times. He's a multi-state traveler. And because of all the places he's gone with her and all the things that she's done with him, he looks completely different than he would have if when she received him, we had just set him up on a shelf and left him there. Some gifts are meant to be enjoyed and not displayed. And I know that Lucy has enjoyed Miles and that Miles has experienced basically everything that Lucy has experienced in in her short life. But do we allow ourselves to experience God's love, or, or is it on the shelf? And I know that illustration doesn't really do justice to how amazing God's love is, but it makes sense to me. God's love is what fills us with life. So why would we just set it off to the side and say, well, I I know that's there. It's a nice thing. Why wouldn't we wrap ourselves in it? Take it everywhere we go. We need to allow ourselves to experience God's love, not keep it at a distance, immerse ourselves in it. And if in doing that, and and this will happen, if you embrace God's love for you, you're probably going to look a little bit like a kid on Christmas morning. That's not such a bad thing. And it's only at the point that, that we accept that God loves us and we allow ourselves to experience that love, that we can then do what really is the third thing here, which is the most important thing, which is to share God's love. And this is is what really matters for us today. If you look back through history, people in love tend to proclaim it. And sometimes that looks a little something like this. You got... uh love and I don't care who knows it. We have centuries worth of poetry and novels and plays and songs about love. If you Google over-the-top marriage proposals, you'll see, see people very publicly declaring their love. Love tends to be visible because, honestly, it's like we can't help it. It overflows. The gift of God's love should be the same way, because it's meant to be shared. And here's the cool part about God's love. When we share that gift, it doesn't leave us with less, it leaves us with more, because we're enriched when we share God's love. Once we accept and experience his love, when those things have truly occurred, the next natural step is to tell somebody else to share that love, to let it overflow. First John chapter four. Verses 9 through 11 says this God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through Him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. And then hear this, Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. The natural progression. God's love comes to us and God's love flows through us. And the truth is, the more we embrace and experience His love and allow ourselves to do those things, the more we will be willing to share God's love with others. And so ultimately today, what does that mean for for you and me this Christmas season? Can we make this practical? How do we go about expressing that love that God has shown us to those in our life who may not yet have accepted or experienced it? And there are absolutely people in your life who have never accepted God's love or or aren't experiencing it on a regular basis? What can we do about that? Well, there's really an endless list of things. It could mean spending quality time with family. Some of you have family that don't know the love of God, and and you're going to have forced opportunities. I hate to say that word because we should want to be with family, but sometimes it feels kind of forced, right? You're going to have opportunities to to spend quality time with them. And and not all of you will struggle with this, but quality time does not involve this my phone in front of my face, unless you're taking a family photo, then it's okay. Quality time with family might, might be all it takes for you to have an opportunity to, to let God's love flow through you to someone who needs to know about it. It might mean reconnecting with a friend who has drifted away. Some of you are going to go back maybe to your hometown. You get a little Joseph thing going on. You go back to your hometown for Christmas and maybe you're going to run into somebody you've lost connection with that needs to know that God loves them. It might mean serving neighbors or strangers or seeking out someone who you suspect is lonely or hurting. There are people in all of our lives this Christmas season who are not going to be real happy about it being the Christmas season because they're, they're hurting, or they're lonely, or they've lost someone. There are endless ways to allow God's love to flow through us as we love others the way He loved us. And we need to, to seek out those opportunities. We need to think about this. So often when we're challenged at church, we talk through these things, and this happens to me too. We're challenged and in our minds, we sit here and we say, yes, this is. I need to do this. And you, maybe even you've thought of somebody and you're like, I'm, I'm going to do this. And then what happens is, we slide it under our chair and we walk out the back door. And if there was something physical that could be left behind when we do that, I guarantee you I could walk through this room every Sunday and pick up countless decisions that we made and challenges that we took and then left here. The same can be said of me. I, I, I think on a frequent basis, I say, you know, that's a good, I need to do that. And then I leave it under my chair. What good is it doing there? If there's someone in our life that needs to know that God loves them, we need to tell them. And if our eyes are open and our hearts are open, we'll, those opportunities will be there and we'll see them. If you ever find yourself at the end of a day saying, you know, I really wanted to show the love of God to somebody today, I just didn't get the chance. My, my guess is you never got out of bed, because the opportunities will be there. The issue is our willingness to simply say, God loves me, God loves me, and I don't care who knows it. In fact, you need to know it, because He loves you too. For each and every one of us, no matter where you're at on your journey with God, this needs to be a season of accepting, experiencing, and sharing God's gift of love in a newer, deeper way. It's too important. And the truth is, this time of year, there's a possibility that the people in your life that need to know God loves them are just a little bit more open to the idea. Just a little bit more likely to accept an invitation to church. And if the door for them is only open that a little bit more than usual. It's worth the ask. And we're the askers. If we know the love of God in our own lives, it needs to flow through us and in other people's lives. And if it's not, I struggle to believe that we really know the love of God in our own lives. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 through 19 says this, "...then Christ will make His home in your hearts as you trust in Him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. The truth is, there's a limit to what we can understand in this life about the love of God. It's beyond our understanding. And yet, that idea alone shows just how amazing it is. And it should drive us crazy that there are people in this world who don't know about that love. And if it drives us crazy enough, that should call us to action. Let's pray. And all these gifts, they, they're things that sometimes we take for granted. You know, we, ha- we have this hope that You've given us and yet so often we live like we have no hope. And, and we, we have this love that You've shown us and yet so often we don't tell anybody else about it. You've, you've given us the gift of joy and so often we don't act very joyful. You've given us Your peace and yet so often... We say, all I need is some peace. Well, you've given it to us. And we take for granted that you've provided all of these things, that you've given us these amazing gifts. And we look for them in other places. We need to stop doing that. God, I pray that we could become people who who realize you've given us all we need and, and, and can spend our time helping others figure that out too. That that we would realize that we are extremely blessed to know you and others haven't met you yet. I pray that this this Christmas season as as we do all the different things that we do and we go all these different directions and our schedules are so busy that we would slow down enough. Find ways to be your agents of love meet needs to raise spirits whatever whatever the need is whatever it takes for the people around us in our lives who need to know you pray that we would do what needs to be done to make you known in their life God I pray that you would continue to challenge us through this series we would see these things as the gifts that they are. I was to focus as we continue in our service and move into a time of communion. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.